to be to know the King of Glory, to have His presence leading and guiding our lives. And some of you haven't maybe come from where I came from, but man, after you've been in the world for a period of time and you try to find every answer, you just keep looking and looking. <clears throat> There's never an answer. You can't find any hope. And presence of God just rescues you. What a blessing. So I thank you this morning. God, we just praise you today, Heavenly Father, for what you've done in our lives. God, up to this day, the things that you've ministered to our hearts and the ministered to our lives, God, nothing besides your holy presence, God, could do what you've done in every one of us today. I look at everybody here day in and day out, coming to services and the things in their lives that I've seen you minister to and touch and the testimonies that I hear from them and the things that, God, you've done in, in every circumstance and incident and the things that they deal with day in and day out. Just like you do me, so your Bible tells us you're no respecter of persons. So just as much as I can trust you, they can trust you. And just as much as they can trust you, I can trust you. And God is just an amazing thing. I don't have to get up in the morning and say, well, I wonder if somehow or another I'll get that lucky number and Jesus will take care of me today. This is not a lottery. God, I thank you this morning that it's such a a present thing to, to serve you. And it's such a precious thing to honor you. God, to know what Your presence has done in our hearts, to know what Your presence is doing in our lives, ministers to us day in and day out. It just makes us realize we're the most fortunate people. God, we are the most fortunate people in the universe. God, it's not the people that somehow or another live in the fancy houses. It's not somehow or another the people that drive the nicest cars or have the most money in their bank account. God, this morning, it's the people that have the presence of God in their hearts and in their lives to minister to them day in and day out. And keep them safe and watch over them. God, I'm just praising you this day for what you have done, Jesus, in our lives. God, I just praise you that today we're not the same. God, we are just not the same. We've been rescued by a Savior and a Redeemer. And so, God, today I'm praising you for being just rescuing us. God, for bringing us up out of that miry clay and setting our feet on this rock today. God, I would not know what to do if I didn't have a solid foundation, especially today. It seems like things are just reeling to and fro in this world, God. It just seems like there's just so many places and things that people are in despair about. Just on and on and on. And God, today You've brought us to a place of security. You've brought us to a place of contentment in You. And we thank You for that this morning, righteous Lamb of God. So, Father, as we go to Your precious Word, God, this is Your Word. And Heavenly Father, the last thing we'd want to do this morning is somehow or another figure out what we wanted to do with Your Word. God, what we want to do this morning and what we've come to do this morning is yield to You today, surrender to You today, and have Your precious will and desire be accomplished in this earth just as it is in heaven today. God, and the thing of it is, when we pray that, it's amazing to me because when we pray that, I think to myself, wait a minute, that's not only a requirement for us, but Heavenly Father, it's an accomplishment for You. That's the things that You do, that Your will would be accomplished. There's no way we could do Your will. But Heavenly Father, lean on You and surrender to You so that Your Spirit can accomplish those things in our hearts and lives. So I praise You today. You're doing what You do. And You do it just amazingly in our lives. So God, today as we go to this precious Word, just lead us and guide us. In Jesus' righteous name, Amen and Amen. So last Sunday I was just really touched and, and, and God just has really poured out His Spirit upon us to bless us with so many things. Uh, as far as, you know, being led and, and having a hope. And this morning, just just being able to, you know, 
anchor our hearts in what God's doing. You know, we sing that song, though the ship is battered. But the thing of it is, and we all feel like that at times, about going through those struggles, about going through those wars. But every time we go through those struggles or wars, what always happens? What happens absolutely every time? What's that? He brings us through. And what we realize is that had we have not went through that war, no different than our parents correcting us and dealing with us, as we get older, we look back and we tell ourselves, man, I am so glad my dad was strict. I am so glad that my dad started out when we were younger giving us this boundary to, to, to operate off of. Because if I didn't have that boundary and you didn't have that boundary, we have all dealt with people in our lives. You didn't have to work in a group home to deal with people that didn't have boundaries in their lives. You've worked with them. You've seen them. You went to school with them. And you've experienced those people that, oh, we'll just do that. And you'll say, dude, you can't do that. Oh, I can do that. I want to do that. I can do anything I want to do. Uh, dude, you can't do everything you want to do. I've heard that a million times. Well, I wanted to do it. Why did you hit that guy in the face? I wanted to. Yeah, you sure did. But you see, he had no boundaries. No other way to deal with it. So when he was at home, somebody smacked him in the face all the time. And what he learned is, hey, I'm going to hit somebody. So that's what God does. He brings us to that place that when we go through those things, we're not the same anymore. And I praise God for that this morning, that we're not the same. I praise Him that I'm not the same that I was ten years ago, or five years ago, or two years ago, or yesterday. Because I want what God has for my life today. And He's continually walking us through these places. So everything we do and everything we go through becomes another testimony. How many testimonies this morning do you have? How many testimonies could you get in that bag of God's presence that God gave you and just draw out a testimony when you're somebody that's desperate or without hope this morning and you can draw something out and say, listen to me, this isn't a figment of my imagination. You see, I was in a terrible, desperate place in my life and nobody could come and get me up out of that desperate place. But the Spirit of God came and when He came, man, right in the midst of that desperate situation, I felt so comfortable. I felt peace right in the midst of where I was at. And it didn't change maybe the first day. It didn't change the second day. Maybe I stayed in that situation for an awful long time. But while I was in that situation, the comfort and the presence of God was keeping me and staying me. My mind was on Christ. And the Bible tells me I will keep in perfect peace the mind that stayed on you. It didn't just stop there. It's because you trusted in me. And the world is trusting in everything but Him today. And so what God is showing us is that, you know, you guys, the testimony is of our lives. Because what He's wanting is the world to begin to see somebody that operates in the presence of God when they're making choices. And the world is standing back and saying, well, why wouldn't have made that choice? Just get six kids in your house. They'll look at you and say, why are you always doing this? Or why are you always doing that? Well, I have to do that. I have to. Because I have a God that just has blessed me so much and my love back towards Him just renders that to show Him what, how much I appreciate Him. I can't operate any other way. Yesterday morning, and I'm gonna, we're going to read a Scripture here in a minute, but yesterday morning I, I shared this with a couple like yesterday. I got up yesterday morning I've been praying for my oldest son, James. And uh, 
I've just been saying, God, listen to me. There's no way. There's no way He can stay in the world when the presence of God's in my life. I'll never forget walking into a little assembly of God church at about 18, 19 years old. An alcoholic, had no hope for no future, didn't know, didn't want to be there. I sat in the very back of the church. Some of you guys have heard this before. I sat in the very back of that church because I thought to myself, it gets too hot around here. I'm out this door. I'm leaving. I'm not going to stay. And my brother stood up and he started shaking. He said, Brother Nix, he says, uh, my brother and my sister's here today. The enemy's trying to rob them from the life that God set them in order in their life. And I want, I want this church to pray with me this morning. And I couldn't get out the door. You want to run when it gets hot? You're sorry, Charlie. You're not going anywhere. Because everybody came around me and they started praying. And I'm telling you, when they started praying, I'm telling you what, I could feel that presence of God. And you know what? What would I run from? It's time to run to it. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm telling God, listen, if you did that in birth in Colorado and you continually had mercy on me and you've watched over me and you've protected me and drew me to Arkansas and the things you've done for my life, I'm telling you, you can draw James. And so I'm praying for him. The Lord, I sat down at the table yesterday morning and I just started thinking some things. You know, I, I heard on the radio probably about three or four months ago, we have 10,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot of thoughts. The average person has 10,000 thoughts a day. So I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, and I've been asking the Lord, I don't want these thoughts to be on anybody but you. I want your spirit to guide every thought that I have. Because, you know, we can be just sitting there and we'll have a thought and it's like, where'd that thought come from? You know what I'm saying? And God, that is not of you, so I want that cleansed. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you. God cleansed me from that unrighteousness. It could be doubt. You can be sitting in a situation and think to yourself, man, how am I going to get out of this situation? You're going to think, whoa, why am I even thinking that way? I know how I'm getting out of this situation. What got me out of the situation yesterday? What got me out of the situation the day before? And the day before, it was always the same answer. It was the power of God. So He's going to get me out today. So the thing of it is, I'm praying for James, and I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking about some stuff yesterday, and we was going to go see him, actually. And I didn't even think about James when I was thinking all these thoughts about some stuff that was going on in my life. How the power of God and God's love had just taken me uh, through some th- stuff and some things that I went through. But he called me. James called me on the way to Lawrence. And, and uh, <clears throat> all those things I'd been thinking about just started coming out of me. And I'm telling you why I found myself crying. And I, I just could feel the Lord talking to James and, and, and telling him. And, and when he was a young kid, when we went to Binkelman, that was a really, really, really difficult time for me in my life. Because I went from, from working and everything into the ministry and I'm telling you something, everybody, everything dried up. I'm just going to be honest with you. You talk about going through circumstances. I mean, it dried up. Even the people that came to the church kept saying, you can't preach this. You can't do that. We're just going to, we're, we're going to have to get rid of you. So the people I went up there for are telling me, hey, we don't want you here. One day Sharon just looked at me and says, we're going back. I said, we're not, I don't know where we're going, but we're not going back. But the thing of it is, one time a, a guy came into the service and he came into the service, and, he, and I went back and thanked him. I said, because not too many people came, you know. It's just starting out, a little town like that. You know, and I was going through some real struggles. You talk about a wilderness experience, that's a real cool time. Because really, where did I, where did I learn some of the stuff I know today? It's through those wilderness experiences and spending time with God through those places. Nobody else was there. 
And so, uh, but this guy came and I went back and shake, shook his hand and I said, hey, really appreciate you coming. He said, I only came for one reason. He said, a kid of yours works in our mechanic shop. He says, he's only there two hours a day. I'm going to tell you something. The two hours that he's there, he's always talking about you. And he believes so much in what you're doing and what he said, I had to come to this church because he keeps asking me, come to my dad's church, come to my dad's church. And I asked James yesterday, where's that guy at? Where's that guy that didn't believe in his dad but believed in the God of his dad? Because the only reason you'd believe in somebody is because you have something inside of you the world longs for. James asked me, he said, Dad, let's go to dinner tonight. So we called Matt and Mandy, and the Lord blessed us to go to dinner last night. I really praise the Lord for touching and working on his heart. It's just, it's a real precious thing to see God's presence moving. Sometimes we get in places and, 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 and it's only so that we'd look outside of ourselves. Is that right, you guys? Most of the time we get in situations so we can look past us. We're always, pro- you know what? Never mind. I'm going to read. I had yesterday, last Sunday, last Sunday I, I really got blessed with the service and, uh, I just kept thinking during the service, uh, Something just really impacted me about this 8th verse of Zechariah chapter 2. And I feel since Ron's already been through it, <laughs> I would use it. But I, last Sunday I just kept waiting. I kept thinking, Lord, I just have been so impacted by this. Just this verse and the things that you've done through it in my heart, I would like to share it. And I kept waiting and waiting. I thought, well, if there's an opportunity, I'll share it. And it just never was an opportunity. I just want to respect what God was doing in the service last Sunday. And little did I know, you know, it just was kind of cute yesterday. I came down here to, it was, I don't know, it was after 10. And I came down here. I just felt like coming to the church. I came down here and I, I forgot to clean. Friday night I left late and then I stayed up later at the house. And I got up Saturday and, and had James on my mind and some stuff going on. And so I didn't get a clean. And so I showered and I came over here and I thought, man, I'm glad I came back over here because I haven't cleaned. So the Lord blessed me and I'm clean and Ron walks right in the door. He said, hey, he said, I want to get a hold of you earlier. He says, Greg's not here tomorrow. He said, would you mind doing the, the morning uh, Bible study? I said, no, I'd be blessed to do the morning Bible study. So it was like, I don't know, 1030 or so last night. And so that was really precious. Isn't that amazing how the Lord just works? So I, so then I thought to myself, I'm, I'm driving home and I thought, well, that's just really cool because, God, I know you laid that Scripture on my heart last week. And there's a reason you didn't have me share it last week. I get to share it tomorrow morning. So, if that's what you want. And I really feel it is. So, you guys, we're just going to read chapter 2, verse 8. Through all this stuff that God blessed us with uh, last week about Jerusalem being truth and the city of truth and how uh, all this stuff is just amazing. And uh, uh, Anyway, verse 8. For thou sayest the Lord of hosts, after the glory... Hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you? For he that touches you touches the apple of your eye. So, the thing of it is that blessed me so much about this. I think about in our life that so much of the time we don't look about what God's doing for us. Not, you know, we look at the struggles, we look through the issues we're going through but what He has done to provide for us through those circumstances. So if He he sent you to the nation, and I want you to know before you go anywhere, 
if anybody touches you, anybody does anything, they touch the apple of my eye. Is that an amazing statement? Because it really is the pupil of his eye, the center of his eye. It's like, okay, if he touches you, he touches you. There's another place in Psalms. I didn't look it up. That says the exact same thing that he, that we're the apple of his eye, right? So if we find out that we're the apple of his eye, and we understand that he says if he touches you, he touches the apple of my eye. To me, that's such an encouragement because I'm telling you something today. Knowing that in my heart, I think sometimes uh, some of the stories that Ron has and everything, God bless Ron with a brother like me. Now, I'm saying that because some of you guys don't even know some of the stories that he's telling is about things that I got him into. When I think about these Scriptures, I think about having an older brother. Much like every one of you have learned is hard. And so when something happened to you, no matter where you were at or what was going on, where did you always want to run? I don't care if you fall down and scrape your knee. Your kids fall down and scrape their knee. It's, if, if, if there's an issue in your life, where is the first place you want to head? You want to head to the most compassionate person you know. Some of it would say, I want my mama. I want my mama because they know the mama. And then there's those isolated few that generally say, I want my dad. I want my dad. Because most of the times the moms are the nurturers. And so they want to run to their mom. But you want to get to somebody that can get the greatest help you can receive, you want to get to that person. And I'll never forget getting off the bus one day and some kid just walked up and punched me in the side of the face. So I'm just walking home kind of crying. I was pretty young. I'm walking home crying. I get home and Ron says, what happened? And so get over there on the corner. Punched me in the face. Ron was gone. Beyond the door and you know the story about his nose? I'm not 100% sure, but I think this is where it happened. The guy that was older than him? I'm almost positive this is where it happened. He was going to protect his younger brother at any cost. And so I'm telling you, when I tell you that Ron's been blessed to have a brother like me, I want to say I've been blessed to have a brother like Ron. Because it works two ways. The blessing for God is you as well. I want to ask you a question this morning. Who's going to be the one that goes out and tells this dying world that the doctor that just stepped in their room and told them the terminally ill was sin and they're destined to die for eternity and not that their life's going to be gone or their breath's going to be gone or their hope's going to be gone, but they are going to dwell in eternity forever. And who's going to walk in the room and tell them, wait a minute? There's an antidote for the disease that you have, the sin that's destroying your life. And God came to set you free and the light just stepped in the room to somebody that's dead and has no hope. It's the power of God. So as much as I loved having a brother like Ron, who when something happened, I'd go home and tell him, and that is not the only scrape I got my brother in, but we're going to spare the details of some of the others. But what would let me know 
that Rome would take care of those situations. My love for Him. And His love for me. And I knew I could go home. And the minute He saw it, the minute I started talking to Him, I just started crying harder. You know how you do that kind of stuff? Because it's like somebody's caring about this situation. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get somebody involved that cares. Little did I know it was going to cost Ron so much. But the cost was nothing. Because the motive was nobody's going to get off the bus and take, treat my little brother like that. And so the Scripture over in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8 made me think of something. And we're going to go over and we're going to go... Well, it made me think of several things, but let's go over to Ruth. Because it's really cool here in the second chapter. And we'll read a few verses here in the second chapter of uh, Ruth. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And you can just read that first verse and realize that God's mercy and His grace has already done to us so much that we can identify with that first verse, can't we? Because what God was showing us through this amazing story is the things that God's already prepared for Naomi and Ruth. But Naomi and Ruth didn't know. Is that right? They had no idea. Naomi tried as hard as she possibly could to get both of her daughter-in-laws to leave her because she said, there is no hope whatsoever staying with me. It's not going to work. Please. She tried to reason with them and tell them, look, if I found a husband, if I had a baby, could you wait that long for the baby to come up? There is just no good thing going your way if you're going with me. And I think a lot of times we get up and we feel sometimes just discouraged and we have that feeling come over. Not because we're disappointed with God, but we're just thinking, man, God, we would love to go some other direction today. It seemed like yesterday was such a difficult day. Could we just have a reprieve for a day or something? You know what I'm saying? You start realizing, wait a minute, this God of wealth, this God that holds everything, Is He just getting me to go past myself and quit trusting in what I can do to turn my affection, to turn my love and my commitment and my heart and everything inside of me? I don't want to love myself. See why every man's right in his own eyes, you guys, is because somehow or another you are not going to tell anybody or yourself that you would be the guy that did wrong. Do you know that? I'm right in my own eyes. Don't tell me what's wrong. Put six teenage boys in your house and you'll find that out real quick. 
I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Wait a minute. There's six boys and it happened. Process of elimination works great. Why do you have to go through that? Because every man's right in his own eyes. And he don't want, even though he did it, he doesn't want the consequence. He doesn't want to go through the struggles to get better. He wants to remain the same old scoundrel he came in my house. Am I right? Otherwise, he'd say, Fred, I slid down that rail and I put my rear end right into your wall. That's where that big hole in the wall came from. We didn't do it. It's interesting. Somehow it got in there. The point is, is that, that we're a lot like that. If we want to somehow or another skirt the issue and try to get away from the things we're doing, and all God is wanting to do is get the problem fixed in our life. What's the issues? I don't know how many issues you guys have, but I found out i got a lot of issues. I'm telling you the truth. And I didn't know it until Sharon started pointing them out. No. She don't, but you know what I'm saying. When you work with kids and you start understanding, please God, change me. Search me. The psalmist knew something. He said, search me, try me. See if there be any wicked way in me because the last thing I want to ever do is get into a situation that I'd rather rely or depend on anybody but you. I don't want this mind, this heart, somehow or another, to run amok and somehow don't have a direction and a stability and a, a rock to lean on, a rock to stand on. I do have a rock. And I don't want nothing taking me off the rock. So it's just a matter of saying, hey, I want things changed in your life. And we're just saying, thank God you do. Amen? So you read this first verse and it says, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Emelech, and his name was Boaz. Do you think if she would have thought of this verse, she would have never sent that Ruth away? Hmm. I got that kinsman. Lemonex Revitalib, Mr. Boaz. I wonder what he's up to. He's not married. He's not anything. But all she could focus on was being moral. All she could focus on is I went away from what I thought God's plan was. She had no idea. She was bringing the grandmother of David back to Jerusalem. Can I tell you something today? She had no idea that the enemy made her feel like, don't you call me Naomi, because I'm not blessed anymore. I feel like Mar. I feel like the worst thing in the world. And all the while, God's saying, "You just hang on, Naomi. You're going to hold the most precious baby in the universe, and you're going to ask yourself, how did the God that gives me bread and gives me life and sustain my hope of every day, how did He give me such a child so soon? And my mind couldn't conceive it. My heart couldn't conceive it. I didn't know where I'd get it." But God somehow out of His grace and His mercy just brought this child to me. And could you imagine her just crying and weeping and holding that baby? God, you blessed me. God, you blessed me. I wonder what she... I tell you, it's not in here. I don't know what name she wanted to be called after that, but I guarantee you God gave her a new name. And it wasn't Mara. Amen. 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 
was the blessed of the kingdom of Israel because you were obedient to what I asked you to do. Some of us always get in places where we sometime or another wondering, why are we here? And God said, just hold on. I'm bringing, so, I'm bringing life out of this thing. You're going to birth something you never dreamed possible because I put that precious seed in you and that seed is coming to life and you somehow or another can just keep your mind on the flesh and the things you had yesterday, but get your mind off of yesterday. I have tomorrow and I have today and I want to resurrect this old dead life of yours. Amen? I want you to have a hope that goes past what you know. And you guys, we can't stay where we're at and have a hope that goes past what we know. It's only what we know. I was talking to somebody yesterday and I realized we're sitting there talking and every kid that came into my house, the reason they had to, I had to have rules in my house is because they had to have something stable to start out with because they had no rules in their home. Get six kids from six environments and situations and you've just put yourself a big problem already because now this one can hit, this one can scream, this one can yell, this one can walk out anytime they want to walk out and won't deal with issues. Worst thing you can deal with, I'm telling you, one of the worst things you can deal with is a kid that will walk out and say, I don't want to hear what you have to say. And you guys, I want to tell you something. God thanks you for every time you just hang in there and say, hey, listen, I'm going through this because I know I need to be changed. Not walking out. I can't turn around. I can't go back. can't go nowhere but on here. So I'm going to tell you something. Little did Naomi know. God was just about to pour the blessing on her that she never dreamed possible in her entire life. And the power of God says, hey, listen to me. And Ruth, the Moabite, said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light upon the part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Limelech. I'm telling you guys what, to have God glean, I, I, I'm telling you something right now, I don't know how many fields there were to glean. When God's presence is guiding you and directing you, He's going to take you to the right field at the right time. You, you, can't, you can't help but be there. You can't miss it. You cannot miss what God's going to do. This woman isn't thinking about, hey, you know what? I'm going to get up and I'm going to find me a man. You know what her heart was? Listen to me, you guys. Right here is the key to this. And I'm telling you this morning. I feel like this is what the Lord ministered to me when I read this. I went and shared it with Ron and I'm telling you, I was touched amazingly. Because I'll tell you right now, somehow or another through this situation, Naomi knew that she was going to find a hope. She didn't know where it was going to be at. And so Ruth is going to go glean in this field and that the power of God would lead her to the exact field. And sometimes we're wondering where we're headed. Today we're wondering why we're where we're at. It may be to position you for the very field that God's taking you to and the things that He's going to do in your life that's going to change, not just your forever. Because you know what her heart was? This is what touched me. Her heart was to feed her mother-in-law. Her heart said, listen, she's lost her two sons. She's lost her husband. And now the plight of taking care of this woman that walked me through this tough situation when I lost my husband, her son. I'm not leaving her because she did not leave 
me. Every day. When I lost my husband, she'd come in and she'd grab a hold of me and she'd tug me. And she'd say, listen, Ruth, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry you lost your husband. And I love you so much. And if you need anything, I'm going to be here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. And probably something that Naomi ministered to ministered to Ruth because all of a sudden, inside of her, that somebody ministering to her from the power of God began to transform her life because anybody that would say, hey, I'm going with you and I'm not going back home. I'm, you talked about my people. You talked about my family. You talked about everything. I'm not going that direction. I'm going with you no matter what. Your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. I'm telling you something she saw in Naomi by the things that she went through was something she wanted forever. And she turned her back on everything else. And that's how God gets other people in our lives to begin to understand what the power of God can do in theirs. That's the testimony, isn't it? Amen. So all of a sudden, you start realizing her idea was not... And for you guys that just came in, we're in Ruth chapter 2. We just read verse uh, 3. Her heart wasn't about her. And you guys, I think God's really doing an amazing thing changing all of our hearts, isn't He? Because we're forgetting all about us. And we're beginning to trust Him. I'm so thankful this morning that we are forgetting ourselves. Because the first thing that starts happening when, I, when, when you realize that, and you can watch it in a house, when you have boys that are just unruly and causing problems and everything... I used to tell them a sign of maturity is when you do what's right when there's not an adult around. That's how I know you're maturing. So if you go in and a kid says, hey, let's go across the street and have a cigarette like your other three roommates did. And you don't go across the street and have a cigarette, bud. Because you tell yourself it's just wrong. And I'm not there to tell you it's wrong. I'm really proud of you. You made that decision on your own, and that's a sign of maturity. You're beginning to do things in your life on your own. You're growing up. No one has to be there telling you day in and day out. And that's what's precious about God, isn't it? Because His conviction and His Spirit just leads us and guides us and directs us. I've got to throw this in right here. I've got to throw this in. This is a precious, precious thing. I went over Monday, that Monday that Steve was being operated on, having surgery at the hospital in Olathe. And Linda and I, when they took Steve in, went down to the cafeteria and stuff. And uh, while we were sitting there, we started talking. And we got on the subject of Myron and Doris, the people that I used to live with up in Shattern. So we're sitting there talking about Myron and Doris. And, and uh, man, it just started blessing me. I mean, it just started touching my heart about reminding me of the places I've been. And uh, the things that happened. So we started sharing them back and forth. And, uh, you know... Uh, Linda looks over at me and she says, Fred, she says, is his wife still alive? And I said, you know what, Linda? I wouldn't know. I said, it's probably been four years. She said, well, did you ever go up there? I said, yeah. One, one time uh, we went to Mount Rushmore with all the boys and we stopped at her house and her daughter was there from Belton, Missouri. So I stopped and got to visit her and her daughter for a few minutes with the kids and we just picked up and left again. But I says, in four years, I have no idea if she's still alive or not. Just don't know. I'm thinking, man, God, how could I find out how she's alive? 
I said, I'd really like to know if she's alive or not. I said, that's a good question. I said, because that woman was precious. She, uh, when I was asking Myron to live with her, as you all know, she would sit over there in, in that sweet little voice of hers, and she'd say, Myron, I think it would be great to have a neighbor. And I'm over here, my heart's going, yes, Myron, it would be amazing to have a neighbor like me. Change the subject. And then he'd, she'd, he'd be talking some more and she'd say, Myron, I think it'd be great to have somebody living over in that house. She was the one cheering me on before I even knew I was going to live in that house. I said, man, God, I don't know. I'd sure like to know. I left out there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I pick up Sharon and Amanda at 7 o'clock at night. I'm driving out of Walmart. My phone's ringing. I look down. It says, Beverly, Doris's daughter. I looked over at Sharon before I answered. I says, she had to pass away today because I said, there'd be no other way her daughter would be calling me today. Sharon says, well, Fred, answer it. <laughs> Don't we all do that at times, though? We're going to figure out why someone is calling us. God just said, Dildo, answer the phone because I'm blessing you. Remember the question you asked today? Hello? Hey, what are you doing? Beverly, this is Fred that used to live in your parents' house. Oh, she says it is. She says, well, I'm really sorry. She says, I must have called you by accident. And I, she says, I have two Freds in my phone. And I just looked down and hit one. She says, I called the wrong one. I said, no, Beverly, you did not call the wrong one. And that's exactly what I told her. I said, you might have called me by accident, but it was no accident you called. I said, where's your mom at, Beverly? She says, three years ago, we moved her to Belton, Missouri. She's in a nursing home when we're about to call hospice on. I said, Beverly, can I come see her? She said, you can sure come see her, but she won't talk to you. I said, all I want to do is come see her. Because you see, when I need a place to live, that woman was saying, Myra, it'd be really nice to have somebody live in that store. She was in my corner before I even, she even knew me. And the Spirit of God used her and Myron to give us that place to live and bless us in so many ways. Remember those things in Binkelman? One time I stood out on the door, or on the, corner of that street and I looked over at that church in that little house and I said, God, thank you for every moment of every day you put me through the things you put me through in this little church in this house. And I said, I wouldn't want to go back and do it over again. Keep me from doing that. But I praise you for everything you taught me there because you blessed me in so many ways to do it. So even though we went through struggles and we went through issues up there, it was such a blessing. So I was waiting for a bus trip that I had on Saturday. It was a it was a, a game, and and the uh, it was a playoff game. So they didn't know when it'd be until they played and knew if they won or lost on Friday night. So when I left here late Friday night at prayer, the guy texted me at ten thirty. Said I hope it's not too late. Well, I texted him back eleven thirty because that's when I got home from prayer and everything, and said, Yeah, I'll take you. And the game was at five o'clock. So no, it was two o'clock in the afternoon. Two o'clock in the afternoon. I said, that's perfect. I'll be there. Got up Saturday morning. Amanda was home from her surgery Friday. Sharon was there. I said, hey, 
Let's go to Belton, Missouri. And I see those. We'd taken a picture of them when they were when we took them over to a little restaurant out in the middle of a pasture. It's the coolest thing. Look it up on the internet. It's called the bunkhouse. Some guy just decided he was gonna go get a whole bunch of buildings all around the area, and then he took them out and he built a little city with it—a sheriff's office and a post office and a general store and a blacksmith off a shop. And so he's got all these tools hanging all over there: blacksmith and sheriff's office and the post office. And he just got him a little town out there, and I mean, it is in the middle of a pasture. I kept thinking to myself, well, we made a wrong turn somewhere because you drive and drive out in this pasture. We get out there. And when I found out a guy talked to me about it at work, I said, man, this is going to be perfect for my doors. We're going to take them out there. We took a picture of them. So Amanda says, hey, Dad, I want to put that picture in a frame and I want to take it to the doors. So I said, that would be cool, sis. So we, we take it to her. She looks down at it and she's admiring. Yeah, they said she wouldn't talk to me. But she's going to talk to me. Now, I'm telling you what, it was the most precious thing. When I told leave, I told her, I said, Doris, I'm going to leave you in the name of Jesus. And all the aides are standing there watching us because Sharon and I and Amanda are right around her and she's at the table. And so these aides are all watching us. And I said, I'm going to leave you in the name of Jesus. She looked at me and she says, thank you. So I'm going to tell you something. God is so amazing. When you're telling yourself, how can I find out something? God says, step back. Step back. This man of wealth. This guy that owns everything. This guy that says you're the apple of my eye. If anybody touches you, they touch me. Or if they bless you, they bless me. And I'm going to bless you, Fred. And I'll tell you what a precious thing to go back out in that car and just pray. Thank God for giving us the privilege to go up and see Doris again. She's been in Belton, Missouri for three years and I didn't even know it. Is that amazing? So God is so cool about the things that He does in our life. So I praise Him for what He's doing in all of our hearts. It's 1025, you guys, and we just got started. Uh, but it's really precious. And uh, I'll read three again and we'll go to four. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on the part of the field belonging unto Boaz. And you know, I wonder where your parts are going to have to land on in life, you guys. All you see is today. But where are you going to be harvesting that? Where are you going to be gleaning the seeds that the reapers all left behind? The people that got left out and nobody else cared about. The people that went to a church. I was 15 years old and a little Spanish girl got pregnant from a white guy. I was sitting there one day and there was a whole group of people around her and she kept talking and I couldn't hold it anymore. I said, Patsy, Patsy, you've got to go to God. I said, there is an answer. There's someone that can help you. And I, you don't have to stay in the condition you're in. And I don't know what he'll do. I don't know how he'll do it. I'm 15. But I said, God will do something for you. She come back to me. She says, Fred, I walked across the railroad tracks Sunday. And I went over to a Baptist church that's right over the railroad tracks. And she says, all that guy could do was tell jokes all through the service. She says, don't ever tell me anything. God will never do anything for me. You know how many seeds have been left behind that God is wanting to glean and touch their hearts by something either man has done or the world has done or somebody's told them they don't fit in or they're not a value of any kind. And God's just saying, hey, you know what? We're going to go glean the leftovers. God's got a purpose 
And I'm wondering where you're half land on what God's doing in your life today. He's got a plan for everything that's going on you're going through. And it's so that you one day are going to end up in a field gleaning somewhere and you're going to turn around and ask yourself, wow, everything I went to, everything I went through in my life has been well worth it if it's this. I'd tell them kids day in and day out. We'd have meetings all the time, family meetings, and I'd look at them. I says, you're looking at a guy that don't deserve to be here. You're looking at a man that only the power of God could transform and change and bring to a place to have the, the right to be over six precious kids like you. To be in this home, to be able to have you around me all the time. And I'll say the same thing this morning. I don't know if there's 30 or 35 or 40 of you here this morning, but I'll tell you the exact same thing. I'm a guy that don't deserve to be here this morning. Because of the power and the presence of Almighty God, I've been blessed to be here with every one of you guys this morning. And what a privilege it is to be here with you. Because you're the chosen people of the living God of Israel. That's amazing to me, to be a part of that. So, okay, so, Belongeth unto Boaz, unto was the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. And then said Boaz unto his servant, i got to wrap this up real quick. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, verse 5, give me a second. Then said Boaz unto his servant, that was said over the reapers, whose damsel is this? And the servant that was said over the reapers answered and said, it is a Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now, that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Listen to me. Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art a a thirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which was the young men have drawn. As I read this verse and I thought about Jesus sending His disciples out in Matthew 6, He says, take no thought of what you'll eat. Take no thought of what you'll drink because you've got to realize this woman came with nothing that day. And the great kinsman redeemer is going to provide for you. So he's going to provide for you. He's going to provide for me. Amen. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Isn't that every one of our heart cries? That we fall flat out prostrate on the floor, bow our knees and say, God, how could I 
be a person that your presence has touched in such a mighty, drastic way. And I can be a person that can be in this field. All that she's doing is gleaning the, the, the corn and the grain that's left from the guys that uh, are already trained glean, uh, gleaners. That's their job. And she's only going through and picking up. I found in a, in a Salvation Army or a Goodwill store or something somewhere, Sharon's digging around in some stuff, and I went over and I found this little picture and it's women gleaning. And it's just a dirt field. And they got the stalks all up there. And they're all bending over picking up grain. And I said, I am buying this picture. It reminds me of Naomi and Ruth. Because I'll tell you what. It was what everybody else left. Now we're going to get to a really amazing part that you all know next. Uh, but that's what all of us feel like, right? God, why have we found such grace in your eyes? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law. Her heart was only to do what she could do for her mother-in-law. And I wonder sometimes if our hearts is, is somewhere tied up other than what God's doing in our life. For others. I get sometimes in situations myself and God reminds me that Job found his deliverance in a can of milk. No, that ain't right. Job found his deliverance by Rand huh, Bruce Job found his own deliverance for praying for guys that came and gave him information all the time that he was the problem. And somehow or another, he had went against what God said. And have we ever had people like that in our life? Job would not get his mind or his heart if it was even his wife saying, just curse God and die. If God would do this to a human being. Now you guys, we weren't there. We didn't see what Job was going through. And I'm telling you what, us yesterday, not maybe, I don't know what happened. Let's say we had to go without a meal. I don't know. This woman looks at this man that she married. He's lost his kids. He's lost everything that he owns. And he's full of sores and he's just laying there in a hopeless situation. And she just looks at him and all the flesh can see is curse God and die. I wonder how many people are in situations today we look at them and we know God's going to rescue them. He said, those God slain, yet will I trust Him. I came into this world with what? And I'm going out of this world with what? So between the beginning and the end, I'm God's. And whatever He wants to do with me. But that's amazing to me. That Job found his deliverance praying for his friends. And I just wonder sometimes if we just get so caught up in the things we're doing about ourselves and God, we gotta get out of here and God, we're just in this place and you know where we're at and we gotta, we got this and we got that and we have this and we don't have that and I just saying, you know what? The whole purpose for that presence of life that dwells inside of you. I'll watch out for you. My eyes, you're the apple of my eye. No matter where you go and anybody that touches you touches the apple of my eye. Don't forget that. 
I'll take care of you. But your walk is so others can see the presence of God living inside of you. And if we're not willing to go through what we're going through, you guys, the world won't ever identify with us. Man, you, you don't know nothing about what I'm going through. You've never been through anything like this. Got a few minutes? I have been through a bunch of stuff. I don't want to tell you how you can bring your deliverance. Okay. I still want to get to one scripture. Okay, and Boaz answered. Verse 11, and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all... Uh, did I read that? Mother-in-law. Oh yeah, death of her husband. Since the death of thine husband, and thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not hitherfore. You don't know nothing here and you came here because you wanted to take care of your mother-in-law. Your heart was to rescue your mother-in-law. And you guys, I wonder if we're not going somewhere that God's saying, hey, you're going to be the one that my presence is inside of that's going to rescue. Amen? That's what we're here for today is so that the Spirit of God can be use you. That precious Doris, and I'm telling you what, I just sat there and thought about all the things that we did when we was in our house. Amanda looked at Doris, and, and I think it was a blessing for all three of us to go because I think she recognized us. I don't care what anybody tells me. I believe that gal recognized We just prayed, God, whatever it is, she talks fine. She don't talk fine. I'm just going over there because that is the saint that you blessed me with to live in a house that somebody told me there is no place to live. And God says, whoa, 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 Brett. There is a place to live. And I've kept it for you since 1984. Nobody has touched that house. Man. So that is the way He works. And to have the privilege to live with Him, man, what a blessing. I loved it. So the Lord recompense. Twelve. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. At some other time, we will read some more, but I'm telling you something. When I read that Scripture over there in Zechariah that tells me, anybody touches you, he's touched the apple of your eye. Uh, that's in Zechariah 2, verse 8. Linda, Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8. Ron read it last Sunday, and I shared it at the beginning. Since Ron's used it once, I, I felt liberty. To go back over it because I was, I was just busting with that verse inside of me last Sunday. I mean, I got it and I'm just thinking, it's like, wow, God, I, all this other is precious, but there's something about that eighth verse that just says, hey, listen, wherever I go, God is watching over me. It's like sometimes we feel abandoned. But the reason we feel abandoned is God's just saying, reach farther, reach farther, go deeper, reach farther. I'm there. Just keep reaching out. Just keep reaching out. I'm there. Keep grabbing. Keep going. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. I love that facing the giants. That kid puts that other kid on his back and he does that death crawl and he just keeps crawling. He says, come on, Brock. One more time. Come on, Brock. I can hear God saying, one more time, Fred. Just one more. Just give me one more. Just give me one more. Are we willing to give Him one more this morning? Are we willing to just keep going? Because it's under the wings of a God that is an amazing creature that just shelters us under the 
shelter of the wings of the Almighty. What a precious place to be in this morning. I'm glad we're under those wings this morning. Now, our kinsman Redeemer has told us, this is the place I have for you today. So I'm so blessed to be here this morning. So blessed that God's given us His Word. Man, where would we go without it today? And how many people are desperate to hear what God has for them? Man? So, Father, this morning, man, I appreciate everybody that's here. I appreciate Your Spirit, Heavenly Father, leading all of us into these places that our hearts are becoming more, more yielded, more obedient, more, more in tune with you, what Your Spirit's saying, God. More of, more of what You want and less of what we want. Everything about our life, God, we just want to decrease. We want You to increase. We don't want, Heavenly Father, things of the world. We want Your kingdom. We want, we want souls. We want things that, that You want in our life to, to Heavenly Father, benefit your heart and your life and to touch others that you're wanting to be touched. I can only imagine your heart broken because of the souls that are, are, are longing to be set free. And they're in those prison cells. They're banging on the door. They're banging on the walls. I want out of here. I can't stay here no longer. You're wanting to send a people. I love that song, My house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? So God, today in the name of Jesus, Jesus, bring good news to this world because I'm telling you, there's, not, there's no other good news in this nation. There is no other good news in this nation outside of the Spirit of the living God of Israel. So God, today in Jesus' name, every person's feet that's been shot with this precious gospel of peace, every person's feet that's been shot with this good news, and everywhere they go, God, they want to leave it in Jesus' name. I praise You, Lamb of God, for Your Spirit, for Your truth this day, and for having Your way in this service. Let Your precious name be glorified and honored today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Alright, thanks you guys for coming this morning. What a blessing. Thank you, Jesus.